Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on January the 3rd, 2016. I'm sure of those among you who are educated into the big system and what's been happening, what runs the world and what always plans the future that you, you're not really looking forward to this year because the big technocratic bunch who run the world along with the bankers and everybody else involved in controlling everything that you need to live on, are on such a roll now, as he set up their, their fake treaties, basically, which aren't treaties at all. They call them agreements, like the COP21. And that way it doesn't have to go through parliaments or senates or anything and get debated. Uh, therefore, they can steamroll ahead with it. So uh, all your politicians are well aware of the fact, too, they're on board with it because they get well paid themselves. Corruption is a great thing for uh, crooks who already rule the world because they use the corrupt and the corruptible to get their plans through. That's something that's been with us forever, human nature, you see, and those who are easily corrupted. But for many of you, as I say, you're not really looking forward to it this year because many big, big things are going to happen. And it's only the start of the beginning. In fact, they actually say that uh, this is the big start of the big steamrolling push to implement a completely new way of living step by step. Not all at once, naturally, because they don't want to terrify you and have rebellions. They want you to acquiesce and go along with it all, thinking as you're conned every step of the way by their paid-off corrupted scientists that you have to do it to save the planet and... Etc., etc. So, anyway, this is part three of A Code of Green, where I bring in the big players in the Western world, especially. We don't know so much about China, but we, we know that they have trilateral members as, as well. The Trilateralist Commission is a private club on board with all of this, and there's many reasons why they brought China into this and made them the manufacturer for the whole planet. That was decided way back in the 1930s. They would eventually do that. So you're living through, as I say, a planned agenda, and that's why the future is never what it used to be, <laughs> because it's all pre-planned. And I, it gets awfully boring uh, the more you study, and for the years and years and years of study, to realize you simply live through a script, You really live through a script. When I was young in school, I knew from the books I was reading in the library that the future, even for for Britain, for instance, and and most of Europe, was to be deindustrialization, massively so. And sure enough, through the 70s and 80s, they had the deindustrialization going on. And they wouldn't tell the public that it was all pre-planned and part of uh, these secret deals they'd made at the top in global governance, as they like to call themselves today, now they're more out in the open. And um, the fallout was incredible. The suicide rate in Britain overtook that of Sweden for the first time. It was massive. Uh, People getting laid off and losing everything, no jobs to go to, and so on. But uh, they also have much, much more planned as well. Then they followed it with uh, waves and waves of immigrants from diverse uh, cultures to not just dilute, but try to extinguish traditional cultures across Europe. And it's still going on today, of course. So there's many reasons uh, why they do everything. There's never something simply a simple fallout of anything. There's always a reason for it pre-planned in advance because these guys never let any opportunity go to waste, as they say, themselves. 
especially crisis. They create the crisis, and then they say, how can we use this to our advantage? But they, have, they plan to bring on the crisis or the causations of it, and then fulfill their agendas through it. They're awfully good at this too. And all they need to do, really, is, is keep doing it, because you'll never get anybody in a top position come out and, and saying, yeah, we did it. You know, we have had some amazing statements in the past by various members of the Rockefeller family talking about the fact that they've done a lot of things uh, and really guided the whole uh, system of the United States for a long time. Uh, but um, you'll never get uh, the perpetrators ever coming out and saying, yeah, we did this, we did that, we shot Kennedy and we took down the towers and, in the U.S. And, and it'll never happen, never, ever happen. As I say, the preponderance of evidence in a courtroom leads to the verdict. And you have all the preponderance of evidence, but of course you'll never get admission. And that's what you count on in these systems, the system actually that we do live in. Now, what I say on talks is not all that I know about certain things. It would take far, far too long because you'd literally wrap them into many university courses, in fact. But the fact is, I'm giving you the, the basics of how the system operates. Uh, those involved, as you live your lives, there's been members of the same organizations before you were born, when the organizations had different names and titles, and some of them were really secretive, even from top politicians. Uh, and now they, they simply come out with the, their, their self-given titles. Some of them sound awfully official. You think they're national or governmental, but they're not. Although they put their own members into governments and, and all the top uh, bureaucracy of central governments and so on. So we're dealing with a very old plan of technocracy and the idea being that an elite, an elite, an intellectual elite, a real intelligentsia, who have managed to acquire wealth, tremendous wealth, which influences the direction of nations, wars and everything else. And therefore, if they've held on to it long enough, and again bred properly by inbreeding to an extent with each other, uh, because they truly are eugenics, uh, eugenicists at heart, then they believe and held on to their cash, not lost it, not had wayward sons or daughters that would go off and spend it all, then they have the right to rule the world properly. And properly to them means they can't have urban sprawl. You see, the terms they have are got negative connotations. Uh, they don't have this spreading out from the overcrowded city. They have sprawl. When you move anywhere, it's sprawl. You're part of the sprawlers, you see. And that's how they condition you from birth. You hear these terms getting used and it sounds nasty and all that, and and, uh, and therefore, without even thinking, you might even be on board. Well, I guess that's true. It's untidy, etc., etc. Uh, but they don't want you either uh, choosing what to do, what to work at, or where you live. Uh, all of that, all free choice, true free choice, not the fake ones they give you. This or that, which both lead in the same direction. At the end, uh, but they don't give you free choice at all because they don't believe uh, that you are orderly enough and are wise enough to use free choice properly and wisely. So therefore, they're going to do it all for you. But in the meantime, too, naturally, you'll find these players that I mentioned uh, and who push the Al Gore agenda and all the other guys involved in this, this big agenda, much bigger than Al Gore. Uh, then you find that they're also going to be the masters of, the, of all production and distribution 
across the world of everything you need to live, all energy and everything else. Energy was to be the first thing they took over, all forms of energy. If you control that, you control the, the entire system. You control how uh, people will live, uh, what kind of uh, economic state they will be in or level they'll be in. Uh, you can help diseases to break out as you bring down and, and start reducing energies to different areas and so on. Uh, and at the same time, these guys at the top profit incredibly from it. So they live like like no king has ever lived before in the past, with the whole world's income heading their way, you see. Not just national income and a national king or queen, but literally uh, an international, global, world society. All tax money coming through their special so-called green banks, like the Rothschilds one, the private one in Switzerland, and all the different ones affiliated with Goldman Sachs. All these characters are more related than you know. As I say, it's a very old agenda. And they have studied all the previous civilizations, uh, how they prospered, how their economic system ran, what led to declines. And they know that they can actually introduce all the things that led to the declines of societies including the loss of all morality in society that kept them strong. Uh, and if you do that in a modern time, uh, then you become easily led like sheep. You don't have family structures anymore. You don't get taught uh, proper rights or wrongs. Things, you know, proper right or wrong is something that, that's going to be detrimental to your own future and those around you, basically. Uh, but you don't know how to, to handle it properly today because we're all meant to be dysfunctional. We don't have a, a rock to hang on to, basically, as we're drowning. And uh, and therefore, they themselves step up and say, well, we'll have to manage your whole way of living and how you live. And even if you get born to, and live at all, because if they don't need you, you won't get born. It's a combination they wrapped into it of socialism, communism, and all the other isms, of course, that run the world today. And... Um, and they've been awfully, awfully successful. They, they work intergenerationally for their goals. Sometimes they'll have a 50-year plan, a 100-year plan for one part of it. And you're now in the century of change. They called it in the, 20, in the 20th century. The 21st century was to be the century of change. Now, the great power magnets who are so wealthy today call themselves, in their club, they call themselves transhumans under the guise of dishing out various charity, etc., and running vaccination programs across the world and various other things and so on. Uh, you think that they're just, oh, they're just so wonderful. They just dish out cash to the poor and helpless. Nothing is further from the truth. It doesn't cost them a darn thing, and they profit because they all have massive shares in the big companies. They make the vaccines, some of them own them, in fact, and, uh, and you pay for it. They get the tax money off you to pay for it all. And that's part of the key to these transhumans, as they call themselves, who have transcended personal selfishness under the gas, how they, they put across to the public, and they want to benefit the whole of humanity. Well, if, if I want your benefit... I would ask for it. I don't need you doing it through governments, including my own, and telling me what to do, you see. 
That's not democracy. That's not uh, any kind of democratic government at all when that happens. But it is happening, folks. It's been happening for quite some time. If your government turns around and tells you, for instance, for the most simplest, ridiculous thing, like you must, if you want to dig a garden, you must buy the shovels that, that this company makes by law, you'd, you'd, you would start getting a bit, what? What's going on here? But you see, you think nothing about it when uh, these big characters, these, these, these moguls, through their lobbying groups and their payoffs, let's be honest about payoffs too, under the table payoffs to government officials, and get uh, laws passed uh, for, the, for how you're going to live, etc. Uh, even right down to what you're going to eat, even the poisoned food that they own uh, through their big corporate farms that they have uh, with their GMO organisms, modified organisms, and soaked in pesticides are killing you off. And they know it too, because they want population reduction of all of you. Uh, I don't need that kind of uh, benefactor advising government on what I'm going to eat and forcing me until I've got nothing else to eat except that. That's exactly how they operate. Now it's down to all energy resources in the world. Everything runs on energy, folks. That's what technocracy is. You'll pay for every unit of energy you use. You'll pay them for the privilege of using it, since they're the guys who are going to own it all and, and supply it all and cut you off through brownouts and everything else. It's going to restrict your travel. That's where they're going for uh, your your cars. Stop you traveling and introduce the, the farce of electric cars and self-driving cars where they can just turn you off and on with a flick of a switch without even being anywhere near you. They can do it through a satellite. If you go over a certain boundary of your communitarian area, you see. Now, part of the agenda is, again, for these transhumans, these big trilateralist and cancer and foreign relation members, to advise all investors as to where to invest their money, that's part of it too, naturally. Take it away from different sectors like coal or anything else, and you must put it into this sector. So you start getting them all on board into where the future is going to be, because you see these boys decide the future since they start banning everything else they're already invested in. And here's an article here, you see. Here's Mr. Bloomberg, the former New York City mayor to head a new global task force aimed at highlighting the financial exposure of companies to the risk of climate change. You know, weather, you know, like daily weather. And it says investors, insurers, insurers, banks and consumers will be provided with more information under plans for a voluntary industry-led code, a voluntary one, you see, announced by the Financial Stability Board, the FSB which is the G20 body that monitors and makes recommendations about the financial system at the COP21 Paris Climate Change Conference. And that was already passed, as we know. And it's tying these ones together, just passed, just recently passed and present. Announcing the decision, Mark Carney, governor of the Bank of England, he was, before that, he was governor of the Bank of Canada. And then he, before that, he was uh, working with Goldman Sachs, naturally. And the FSB chair said the industry-led body would help the financial markets understand mounting climate change risks. 
It says, um, Carnahue proposed the creation of the Climate Change Task Force in a speech to the Lloyd's insurance market in September, added, access to high-quality financial information will allow market participants and policymakers to understand and better manage those risks which are likely to grow with time. So give them a fear there that they should really get on board with this, and here's where you must all invest. Carney said that Bloomberg, the UN special envoy for cities and climate change, so he's just appointing himself to be on head of the UN envoy for cities and climate change, had an unparalleled track record of execution in a broad range of fields and his lifelong commitment to open and transparent <laughs> financial markets make him the ideal leader for the task force. You're going to laugh. You really have to laugh at the way it's the, the, the simple speak uh, that everything's presented to to you like some children's story. Uh, it says, Bloomberg, the billionaire founder of the eponymous uh, financial news and data company, said it's critical that industries and investors understand the risks posed by climate change, but currently there's too little transparency about those risks. Well, while the business and financial communities are already playing a leading role on climate change through the investments in technological innovation and clean energy, which, of course, they are invested in themselves, you see, so they push the businesses which they already already uh, basically at the top they own already you see this t- and ambition your tax money to fund all uh, this task force will accelerate that, that activity by increasing transparency understand this is this is technocracy because technocracy like communism it's almost like the state would be in control but it's not really uh, these magnets will be in control of all the energy on behalf of the state on behalf of you you see and um, it says the task will accelerate that activity by increasing transparency. And doing so, it will help make markets more efficient yeah, and economies more stable and resilient. And you better understand what they mean by stable economies because it's sustainable development, folks. And resilient, you see. The FSB said the task force would complete its work within a year and would deliver specific recommendations for voluntary disclosure principles. As part of its work, the task force will conduct public outreach. And there was more propaganda for the public for brainwashing. Uh, Chris Cheatham, Global Chief Investment Officer, HSBC Global Asset Management, said... The establishment of this task force is an important step towards creating the transparency and consistent standards needed for investors and pension funds to understand the risks and opportunities within the portfolios as we change. They, they, now, the big word now is transition. That's what the buzzword, you see. They say transition here. But it's change. Remember when Obama got in, change is good? Didn't explain what change what changes he's talking about. It's all code words. The transition to a low-carbon economy. And then they tell you all the other ones too. Stephanie Pfeiffer, chief executive of, of uh, GCC or 1-1-GCC, a European network of institutional investors with uh, $13 trillion, I think it says here, uh, euros in assets, said access to high-quality information can only help accelerate the reallocation of capital by investors in ways that will accelerate the low-carbon transition. So if you're all getting bored and get out of the things you're into, get on board with this agenda and go along with what they tell you to put your money into, which is their corporations and things. More consistent, reliable carbon disclosure will make it easier for investors to evaluate climate risk in their portfolios. (laughs) 
and understand where the opportunities in clean energy and other essential low-carbon technologies lie. And it goes on and on and on with the same... Uh, it's, it's almost a bureaucratese speak, you see, uh, which we should all be used to by now. And just as a side as well, it says... Um, as Bloomberg is now head of this UN part of propaganda, you see, on clean energy and advising investors, I can just mention too uh, that uh, Bloomberg's new energy finance company, started by Michael Liebrich, uh, sold to Bloomberg LP in 2009. Says this acquisition is the next step in Bloomberg's initiative to develop and promote the carbon and clean energy market. So he's on a big corporation, you see. There's a video you can look up too. It's called, Is Shading the Earth from the Sun a Solution to Climate Change? <laughs> but anyway, we're in the dark, all right. I'll tell you that much, we're in the dark, because we've never been under such incredible propaganda as today, which makes perfect sense, because the technologies that made sure that everybody got through their brainwashing and television, radio and movies and everything else, uh, is so prolific. It's everywhere all the time. And uh, so that naturally uh, they can create the, the ideas, the memes that they put out there and just promote, promote, promote through repetition until you think it's all quite normal. Uh, and you, you think that the earth is, is, um, is only one earth of a billion different types of parallel universes. Things like that. I mean, no kidding, folks. They've got the folks spinning all right. Uh, but they certainly don't have their feet on the ground and they've definitely got their head in the clouds somewhere because the clouds, uh, as you well know, are heavily sprayed by the chemtrails because we've been under weather modification continuously all over the place since 1998. Now, another multi-billionaire is uh, this guy here. Who knows all the other guys, too, at the top? Elon Musk and ExxonMobil Chief Executive Officer Rex Tillerson have slightly different visions of the world. That's how they present things to you. But in the best tool for fighting climate change, they agree. The idea is to put a price on greenhouse gas emissions. In its purest form, a carbon tax is the most effective way to cut emissions, and it's a policy supported by everyone from Al Gore to the biggest oil companies on Earth. Well, they're not part of your government, folks. Always remember, none of them are. Uh, more than 190 countries have come together in Paris over the past two weeks to forge a complex global pact to fight the looming environmental catastrophe. Unfortunately, the, the one policy everyone wants never really made it to the negotiating table. This is in Paris, U.S. President Barack Obama and Elon Musk both spoke in support of a carbon tax. Carbon tax. This invisible, minute trace gas, you know, that plants need to, to survive. And everything that lives gives off carbon dioxide. Including you, remember that. <laughs> You're carbon-based creatures. This is so did ExxonMobil, uh, joining a half-dozen other energy giants who came out in favor of one in June because they're going to profit off it as they, they get their billions given to them free by you, your truly the government, and your tax money. And they can trade this as another stock market, you see, and this, this nothingness. This, this, it's a fantastic con, isn't it? But you're going to pay at the bottom. You're going to really pay at the bottom. You're getting back on it. You just pay out and pay out because you're giving off gases and everything that you use, energy taxes. That's how they're going to do it. When they first came out with the idea 
of technocracy. It was to tax you and rule your lives through the energy you use. Everything is down to energy, including what you eat. That little bit of meat there is energy, you see. Everything is energy. You better remember that everything is energy. And it says, a well-designed carbon can can cut greenhouse gas pollution the most economically efficient way by letting market forces do the work. We know that market forces are so free and open, aren't they? You know, they always have been, eh? Sure. (laughs) And there are plenty of reasons to enact one. And And they go through, it's already been tested. They give you Bloomberg News Energy Finance. All the guys who are going to help run it because they profit from it massively. From your stupidity, folks. I remember Rolling Stones, you know, if you look through their old albums, you'll, you'll find Jumpin' Jack Flash, but the devil, you see. It's a gas, gas, gas. CO2, right? And back to Elon Musk again. What's his big stake in it, apart from all their investments and all the rest of it, and helping to run it all? Well, he's into Tesla Motors, electric cars. Well, it's just a coincidence, isn't it? Tesla Motors, incorporated in July 2003 by Martin Eberhard and Mark Tarpenning, who financed the company until the Series A round of funding. Both men played active roles in the company's early development prior to Elon Musk's involvement. Musk led the Series A round of investments in February 2004, joining Tesla's board of directors as its chairman. Must do an active role within the company and oversaw Roadster product design at a detailed level, but was not deeply involved in day-to-day business operations. After the financial crisis, which was deliberate and brought on in 2008, Musk assumed leadership of the company as CEO and a product architect, which he still holds today. And he goes through the different cars. They built an electronic sports car and so on and so on. Uh, well, it, it's all funded by your tax money, folks, under clean power. All these things are, you see. See, they're changing, as it was meant to do, as I say, getting back to technocracy. The concept of democracy completely is gone. And the elite and the scientific classes must rule your lives. And also, what was called, used to be called capitalism is gone. Because now, the big... True financial moguls, and, and to be honest, capitalism's all rigged at the top anyway, but now the same characters are making sure that everything they want to, to, to create is going to be created by your tax money for their private corporations. But I'll put these links up tonight for you to have a, a little look at. Tesla Motors, again, this is an American automotive and energy storage company that designs, manufactures, and sells luxury, luxury electric car, luxury electric cars, eh? electric vehicle, powertrain components, and battery products. It's a public company that trades on NASDAQ, stock exchange under the symbol TSLA, and, then, and so on and so on. As in 2013, Tesla pr- posted profits for the first time in its history <laughs> because we're a dead loss, folks. They have just too many problems with electric cars. And some of them go on fire too, the lithium iron battery packs and so on. But uh, that won't stop them, of course, because they don't want you traveling very far anyway. 
And if you try to recharge these things, you can just imagine uh, how long you'd be sitting in some garage, uh, and so on and so on. Try to wait for it, for it happening. And remember, electricity is not free either. You pay for it all, massively so, because it's one of the most expensive energy sources today because the big boys made it that so over the last few years. It's a shop in price over and over and over because, as I say, they must control all energy. And since that's one of the main producers of it today is everything runs on the electricity, then, you see, that's the total control of electricity. They can price, they can, pricing itself is a control mechanism to make you use less and less and less. But they don't, because you're using less, they're not losing money in these big corporations, you see, in electricity. They simply up the prices all the time, which gives them actually more profit for producing less. Beautiful, isn't it? And then this one here says, Elon Musk says he now knows when the safe, fully autonomous self-driving cars will arrive. You see, they have better crystal balls than most folk because these, these psychics, you see, Plan the future. That's why they know. And it says a variety of automakers have begun selling semi-autonomous vehicles, but you'll have to wait probably five years to buy a fully autonomous one, the kind that can drive you everywhere while you read a book by the wheel. At least that's what many car companies are predicting. This is a pure propaganda piece. Tesla Motors CEO Elon Musk, on the other hand, believes his company's fully autonomous cars will arrive in just a few years. Regulations allowing them on the road could take between one to five years, depending on the jurisdiction he predicts. Uh, that's yet another notch down in Musk's ever-shortening timeline. In September, he told Danish news site Borson he expects the company to have self-driving vehicles ready in three years. And one year before that, the company released a statement projecting the technology would be completed in five or six years. It might not be incorrect. In October, his company became the first automaker to sell semi-autonomous vehicles commercially, but its competitors are being more conservative in their predictions. Ford CEO Mark Fields told Forbes in June that he expects someone to make fully autonomous cars ready for consumer purchase within the next five years, but declined to say that Ford would hit that deadline. Nissan has pegged 2020 as a year it hopes to release self-driving cars to the masses. (laughs) Masses, as has Toyota, and Google's in that too. All the big, big ones are in on the same thing, you see. So, what a great market when you cut out all comp- competition, you outlaw uh, what's been like the gasoline car, and you're forced to buy their ex- awfully expensive uh, and, and, and rather notorious for breakdown vehicles, you see by having government push it through that way. You have no uh, saying anything, you're not consulted. Why do you keep voting? You know, if you didn't vote, the real guys who really run the world would have to come out in the open or lose their system completely. Because it's not your system. And also, too, Musk has a foundation like they all do, you see. But it's such a comic, uh, comical thing because you, you punch up and all it gives is you are grants are made in support of renewable energy research and advocacy, human space exploration research and advocacy, pediatric research, and science and engineering education. So there you go. That's all it says. Very secretive, aren't they? 
Now, again, it was all planned before COP21, naturally, because everything always is. They don't decide anything at COP21. They just sign it, sign on the dotted line. That's what they go for, the big parties and everything else. It's all done by the Sherpas who do all the work beforehand between countries. And, and these Sherpas are not politicians. They're um, high-level technocrats, interlateralist members. It says, Ontario plans, this is Ontario, Canada, but it's the same across the world, plans $20 million for more electric vehicles charging stations. So they want to put up these charging stations all across the place. So $20 million to start with, just in one area of your tax money. And this is Windsor Crossing Outlet Mall has Windsor's area's first electric vehicle charging station for public use. Now here's how they, they get you in, <laughs> just like everything else that they do, eh? the mousetrap. The free service will charge electric cars or electronic bikes. Have you ever tried using a, a bike of any kind in the winter in Ontario, then uh, the cops would drag you off the road because you'd be a liability and a danger to your others and yourself because there's all the snow. But that doesn't matter because it's nothing to do with, with common sense. It's a different plan altogether. It's total control of all that you do your whole life. So the Ontario government passed the plans Tuesday to spend $20 million this year on more public charging stations. It's seeking, the province is seeking public and private sector partners to create a network of fast-charging EV stations in cities along highways and at workplaces, apartments, condominiums and public places across Ontario. So there you go. You know, it's just it's just what you expect. And they give you the usual scary scenarios of climate change is costing the people of Ontario already, it says, which is nonsense. But that's what they, they push, you know. And, and it's amazing, what, the more they repeat things, even if you're living through and seeing things differently yourself, you know, most folks start to believe what they're told. They can't all be wrong, you know. But the sky during the day is, should, should really be black, you know. Uh, and then you start to believe it yourself. That's, that's how it works. Repetition, repetition. And then this one here. Provinces to set more ambitious climate change targets. Ontario Premier Kathleen Wynne says. So once you're on the books, you see that all the other stuff is already on the books, drafted up years and years and years ago. It's they blow off the dust and bring it out and then get their plan into gear, you see. So the Ontario Premier Kathleen Wynne says she believes that Ottawa and the provinces will set ambitious new countrywide carbon emission goals after the Premier's meet with the Prime Minister Monday. That comes a week before the International Climate Change Conference in Paris. It was already planned, you see, where the leaders are expected to commit to reducing their carbon-based energy demands. I don't think uh, we'll even necessarily have numbers set before Paris, but I believe that this conference and the aftermath of the Paris, it's a good word for aftermath, the conference will lead to a more ambitious target. So... They're going to be the partnership and the stronger partnership and provincial and territorial environment ministers and so on. Since there's been more discussion amongst environmental ministers, it's almost it's quite amazing too because in the British Commonwealth countries, even though they don't call it so much that, but they still do at the top, mind you, and also we're relations to the Queen in Canada and Australia, New Zealand, and everywhere else, where Britain has had the empire, the old dominion, as they call it. Uh, they call the politicians ministers, the ones that are appointed in, in charge of this or that or whatever. 
And at the same time, minister is always someone who preached a religion. Isn't that coincidental? Because I certainly preach a religion now, you know, of, of greening. And uh, I always think, think these things are awfully comical and, and uh, quite the so-called uh, coincidences, which, of course, they never are. But anyway, uh, they say that for the past decade, Murray said environmental ministers have been discouraged from discussing climate change as something the federal and provincial governments would work together on. Now it's changing, and uh, Wednesday she's hopeful that upcoming meeting will also make a stronger partnership between Ottawa and the provinces. In other words, they want the federal government to start this mandate that they pass all these different resolutions. And again, you're going to pay for all this, for, for all these multi-billionaires to get even stinking rich and get more power over all of you by law, because you must use what they're owning, their, their energy and all the rest of it, and yada, yada, yada. And you must use your tax money and pay your t- more and more tax money for these big green projects, as I like to call them, this racket. <laughs> Quite some, isn't it? Then, remember too, I'm talking about Canada, but you, you take this, everything I'm reading here, and put it into you, in the U.S. across your states. Uh, and, and everywhere else across the world, it's the same agenda, you see. It's a global agenda. And it says, Alberta to introduce a carbon tax. Uh, Canadian province in tar sands. Heartland addresses criticism of an action on climate change by announcing carbon tax and coal power phase-out. Now, all you're left with then is uh, nuclear. And since they're already closing old nuclear plants not building new ones, you're going to end up with energy poverty, as they call it. And that's part of austerity, folks. It's all part of the plan. So, Alberta, home to the country's controversial tar sands, said Sunday it will implement an economy-wide tax on carbon emissions 2017. Provincial government estimated the plan, including a pledge to phase out pollution from coal-fired electricity generation by 2030 and a limit on emissions from the province's oil sands industry would generate uh, $3 billion Canadian dollars in annual revenue taxation, in other words. And uh, what it's going to do too, uh, <laughs> apart from all companies that are going to go under, of course, naturally, uh, unless they put all their money into, all the investors put their money into Bloomberg's big plan. And there's, there's your blackmail for you. You better join our stuff because we're going to phase you all out by law. This is piracy, folks, because crooks run the world. Backed by prominent representatives from industry and environment movement, Premier, wait, but it's an environmental movement. It's like a, a, a special priesthood gets born separate from the rest of us or something. Premier Rachel Notley said the province was trying to do the right thing for the future. Uh, Notley's a left-leaning New Democratic Party. It's more left than Karl Marx. Took power earlier this year, ending 44 years of conservative rule. It says it will help us access new markets for energy products and diversify our economy with renewable energy and energy efficiency technology, Notley said in Edmonton. Uh. Alberta has the world's third largest crude reserves, but its tar sands industry is also Canada's fastest growing source of greenhouse gas emissions. <laughs> you know, coal too, with all the filters they go through, uh, and have had the, these filters for many, many years, for about 30-odd years, maybe 40, 
Uh, it's all clean stuff that comes out all together and traps all the carbon. It doesn't matter. See, facts don't count when you, the big con must get pushed through. They're willing to kill you if you don't go along with the con. Seriously, folks, in the future you're going to see that. It says, U.S. President Barack Obama rejected the project 6th of November, explaining that shipping dirtier crude oil into the U.S. would not enhance the country's energy security. In other words, the big moguls in his country have leaned on him. Alberta's energy sector has also been hammered with thousands of layoffs in recent months due to slumping global oil prices. We've got a glut of oil everywhere. Of course, you have cheaper gasoline, but no, they're going to take it all away from you, you see, by law. They said this plan was endorsed, uh, was endorsed by several other major oil companies, including Suncor Energy, Sonovas, Canadian Natural Resources Limited, and Canadian Division of Royal Dutch Shell. Now, you think about it, folks. When all the big corporations that deal with it are in on the scam, you better believe that they already have the money sunk elsewhere, too. And they're going to use your tax money again to pay all these free carbon credits to trade amongst themselves. And it goes on about the different environmental groups and so on. Again, it's not democratic when uh, all these different groups funded by your tax money. (laughs) Amazing, too. I've often thought about it because Canada's more open about the fact that they fund all these different NGO groups along with the big uh, private corporations through their foundations. And they fund them. Uh, to, to, to lobby the government to pass all the agendas that the big boys want passed. It's, it's quite amazing. It's, it's so comical. And um, the province estimated the new plan would cost the average household about $320 per year in 2017 and $470 per year in 2018. A lot more than that because the dollars drop in value all the time, regardless of the economy, because we're, we're given debt money to start with. That's why... At one time, like the 20s, folk could live on about $10 a week quite, quite well, actually. Uh, but now, of course, uh, it's, it's, you can't, it's hardly, you need to get a, a good cup of coffee with it today. Anyway, that's one article there. And then, this article ties in with Ontario has paid $37 billion above market for electricity over eight years, the Auditor General's report says. And tears have paid $37 billion more than the market price for electricity and will pay another $133 billion extra by 2032 as a result, I'll listen to this, of haphazard planning and political meddling, a report from the Auditor General says. The Liberal government has repeatedly overruled expert advice and even tore up two long-term plans from the Ontario Power Authority for the electricity system in a favour of political decisions that drove up power costs for consumers, the report says. That's why government should never be involved in, in passing all these big moguls' plans, you see. When it comes to economics. What's more, Hydro One, as they privatised it, is in rough shape with ever-increasing numbers of power outages and ageing equipment at very high risk of failing that needs $4.472 billion worth of repairs, even if the province is selling 60% of the company to the private sector. What they've always done, and I've, I grew up in Britain and I watched this my life, when something uh, is owned by the people, like we have big, big uh, coal gas tanks everywhere in every, every town and city, uh, until that was phased out, but that was 
built by tax money. Technically, the people owned it, technically. Saving your water and everything. But under this privatization, of course, uh, the moguls come in, uh, they, they immediately put all the prices for everything up, they put nothing into repairs, and then when it's in rough shape, uh, they, they end up getting, they used to end up having a different government would come in and then uh, they would nationalize it again. They don't need to do that anymore. What they do is they get the public to pay for it through their governments. The governments end up pass laws and uh, and take your tax money again and pay for the private corporations uh, t- to repair everything. Every All these big corporations do the same. They've been doing it forever now. What's more, Hydro One is in rough shape and so on. Revelations about Ontario's expensive and aging electric system were in Auditor General Bonnie Lisk's uh, annual report released Wednesday. We found that the energy power planning process had essentially broken down over the past decade. Uh, Ms. Lisk, uh, Lisk said at Queen's Park News Conference, the energy ministry, again, is, is that religious bunch, has made a number of decisions about power generation that went against the OPA's technical advice. In addition, these decisions did not fully consider the state of the electricity market or the cost impact on consumers. Of course they did. Of course they did. They've been putting guesstimates in your bills of what you owe. No kidding you, for years now in Ontario. They guess what you, you, you probably used. Even their smart meters, because the smart meters have nothing to do with it. Smart meters are really there to spy on you. And then when the big boys own it all, you see, under their technocracy and so on, and they'll suddenly cut you off when you're using too much, but they claim it's too much. It's all planned that way. Miss Lissick's report put 14 different government policy areas under the microscope. Among other things, she reported that the province had doled out piles of corporate welfare. There you go, that's how they give it to big corporations private corporations, buying closed doors, gone $90 million over budget on a flawed computer system, <laughs> $90 million, eh? for managing social assistance benefits that has resulted in $140 million worth of, of miscalculated payments. <laughs> oh my God, eh? $90 million over budget on a flawed computer system for managing social assistance benefits which eventually caused $140 million worth of miscalculated payments. So, has $500 million worth of infrastructure that must be fixed and failed to make sure home care providers look after their patients properly. But all paled compared to the, her criticisms of the government's management of the electricity system. By law, the Ontario Power Authority, which is now merged into the independent electricity system operator, was supposed to provide a long-term plan for electricity that independent regulators would vet. But Ms. Lizick found that in 2007-11, the OPA produced such a plan only to have the Liberals overrule it and make an ad hoc decisions on the system by fiat. As a result, electricity prices for consumers and small businesses jumped by 70%, from 5.32 cents per kilowatt an hour to to 9.06 cents kilowatt per hour between 2006 and 14, she found. The largest part of the reason for that is an increase to global adjustment fees, which for the past decade have paid power-generating companies more than market price for their power as an incentive to set up in Ontario. Now, as corporate welfare, we, we pay them to sell us electricity. 
for their private business. These fees amounting to $37 billion between 2006 and 14, and are projected to add $133 billion from 2015 to 2032. Uh, it goes on and on and on. Why do people bother voting, folks? I mean, really? Yeah? I like to know these things, but again, they always give you a circus, a big circus. Now they have to give you really emotional circuses and really get folk believing it's all real again by by a good show. And that's what they're doing in the States right now. The States, the States puts on much better shows. And they know that people are so disgusted at politics and... Uh, regardless of who's in, they have to give you a real show because they're always looking. The whole American psyche has been created for the public. When you hear certain tunes, generally created by Hollywood for war movies, uh, the, the hands to the heart immediately, the, the, the flags there and the whole thing, they're ready to join up and go and fight whoever they're told to go and fight. And they cry so easily at these things, you know. But. Uh, they also believe through other Hollywood movies, it's always the one. The one will save them. Whether it's a Clint Eastwood, the one rides into town and all the scared characters sit back and, and, and they praise him, but they're too timid to get involved in helping him clean up the town. Things like that. It's always the one. Every movie's got the one in it. You were born to be the one. You didn't know it, you know. And things like that. Now you do know it. That's not life, folks. That, that's fiction. It takes all of you to change things and clean anything up at all. All of you. And when they give you politicians, like they're doing this time again, here's the guy that says all the right things in the U.S. and is what you make America great again and all this stuff. Uh, they think politics is all real again. When I hear someone coming in saying, I'm going to tear up all these UN treaties. I'm going to tear up all these different um, wel- corporate welfare treaties that they've got and, and bills and so on. Tear them up. And nothing will be done in the country unless it benefits the people. Because the people are the country. Not the government. Or the corporations. Then I might, I might, I might believe them. But even then, I'd be awfully suspicious until they get in and I start doing it. Because they all say the right things to get in, don't they? We've been conned and conned and conned for so darn long. And that's why they have to give them a better show this time in the US than they've had for years. Get the emotions involved. When emotions are involved, you'll never make a critical, logical, reasoning decision. And it's state stage run. It's just like wag the dog. No president or prime minister in any country is ever going to come in and say, I'm going to put a, a real system of money that won't get devalued day by day because of some uh, r- ridiculous casino stock market scam. You know, the, the, oh, the market's up the day, oh, it's down the day. Oh, the dollar's up the day, oh, it's down the day. No, no, no. None of that nonsense. And create something based on something as opposed to based on nothing. We are sold debt money. Which means that the dollar or the pound or anything else or the euro is worth less than its face value automatically to pay off what's owed on it. 
And that's why a coffee that cost you 40 cents back in the 1980s now can cost you about three bucks. Devaluation. In other words, reduction of the buying power. What can you get for that dollar? It's devalued every, every day in our mind every year by the scam artists that run it all. Unless that was ever rectified, nothing's going to change. The crooks will always be in charge of your whole darn life. And that's what I'm talking about tonight. This beautiful scam of all greenhouse gases. What is greenhouse gas? If the earth didn't have so-called, what they now term greenhouse gas, it wouldn't, nothing would live in it. Most of it's water vapor, what they call greenhouse gas. And all the different, you know, auction, all the rest of it. And CO2 is one of the smallest trace gases in it. And the so-called eons ago, when much, much larger animals lived on the planet, CO2 was much higher. And the plants were incredibly lush, because plants need it, you see. And they change it into oxygen. So reality doesn't matter. Facts don't count. Because you're led by very clever guys. They're not stupid at all at the top. Who belong to a very secretive club. Who've been running the world for centuries. Including creating the wars too, folks. Which they always benefit from as well. And they truly believe that the, the dumb, stupid masses are just a mess. They're not run efficiently. If you run efficiently, you are a unit. You are an energy unit. And your unit of energy consumes energy. And when they can say, okay, if we have get, if we allow the planet to give birth to so many uh, millions of people this year, how much can we get into our bank accounts? Well, this is the big boys talking. Uh, and their life expectancy. Because it will be planned in advance what you only pay and for and pay for and pay for for the very basic items you need. Food, shelter, clothing, and some way to earn your energy units, which you'll pay all back to them. Governments already do that when they're borrowing money. Look upon uh, what they expect the population growth to be in the next 10 years or so. And that, because when they, and which means that uh, over 10 years, 20 years, they'll know pretty well, pretty well a, a good figure, pretty accurate on the kind of income they can get off those people as they get into the workforce and so on. We are farmed. We're farmed, as Charles Fort said. And when they want you for wars and everything, and they build up industrial economies, they really, they really get you farming then, and they make things a bit more easier, and then they might even let the common man buy some wooden shack somewhere he calls a house he's very proud of, which they're not down 20 years' time, mind you. But uh, they give you little things. They give you cheap booze and cigarettes and things like that. When, when you're in a vehicle, maybe, you see. But uh, once you've done your bit and they take away your industry... You're post-industrial. They take it all away from you again. We're farmed. Increase the herd, reduce the herd. When you want for war, same thing. 
Beat them up. Send the young guys off. Any excuse will do. Young guys are ready to fight for anything. You know, especially together, collectively. They don't like to fight individually, but collectively they'll do it. We're so well understood and we're used and abused and manipulated. And we have been for such a long, long time. We're the most studied species on the planet. Not the chimpanzee or the ant or anything else. It's we. We are studied. With all categories of human behavior from birth to death. And they know how to, how to turn you on, turn you off. How to have you change directions, how to change your thoughts on everything. It's a science. And it's not complicated either. Grab education, you see. Standardize it. Then you make it politically correct. So that certain, so many things can't be talked about openly. Universities today are, are, are just indoctrination centers. They do not. In fact, they'd want to crucify you or hang you if you truly expected and you went in and tried to get free speech on things and free inquiry on things. Something essential to true education. It's not allowed. But you get a little degree, you know, if you go along with it and instantly parrot their indoctrinated slogans and so on, they'll pass you. That's your quality approval stamp to join the system, their system. Bricks in the wall. Pink Floyd. That's what it's about. But meanwhile, you think you're free. You have to give you choices between this cell phone and that cell phone. and They're all false choices. But as I say, you can't get too much into a one-hour talk. Because each thing I mention, actually, is an area which is highly involved. There's so much other things involved in it. Most folk can't handle it. Because we're too busy. Most folk are just too busy. And that's true. You're kept busy. And when you're not busy, you're kept entertained. You just want to zonk out and space out, as he used to say. That's why I'm going to legalize all the drugs again, you see. They were banned. That's your Soma coming in. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>